0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you have missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy.
2: Online, on DAB, and on the talk radio
1: app. Talk Radio. Joined now by the Work and Pension Secretary, Therese Coffey. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Um, now, um, again, these figures are absolutely shocking, isn't it, that are under lockdown. We saw a doubling of the number of under-25s down to 538,000 uh, actually going on to universal credit. Uh, you've got a new Kickstart scheme opening today. What's it going to do?
3: What it is, is that young people um, who are Kickstarters, Getting a kickstart job, they'll have their wages and things like pension contributions paid for by the government uh, for up to 25 hours per week. In return, of course, employers not only get free labour, they get some extra support um, in order to help people prepare for that next run. So the work experience they uh, gain will be significant, uh, but also the extra support is really important uh, for people to make sure that they are ready, thinking of their skills, their CVs, all the different things which we think will put them in a better place to make sure that once the economy gets back on its fuller recovery, that they can really then uh, enter the employment market.
1: I mean, the trouble is, of course, I mean, it's, you know, paying, paying the wages of newly hired under 25 for so six months. It sounds great. It's just, I'm wondering if a lot of these employers are, are, are not actually going to be needing to hire new people, even if the wages are paid um, um, over and above, desperately trying to keep the, the long term employees they've already got.
3: Well, the fellow scheme has been very successful in keeping that link between employers and employees. But we know that some sectors will recover more quickly. Uh, I'm conscious uh, that there's uh, several construction companies uh, who are interested in this. But it's not just about that. We'll also see third sector uh, organisations um, who um, are well experienced in helping people get that sort of experience. Uh, and I'm conscious that, uh, you know, there are other opportunities open to people as well. And to businesses, things like the apprenticeships or traineeships, uh, but we believe that this kind of targeted approach, recognising the scale of the impact uh, for young people who've not made it into the world,
1: indeed. Oh, world I think yet,
3: sorry, we, didn't, we that cut out that us. much harder for them.
1: Yeah, sorry, the, the microphone is cutting in and out. I hope, hope we can persevere. But um, this this is one of the things, isn't it? Is that if you've been established in your work for you know 10 years or so, uh, you're going to have that relationship, hopefully, with your boss. You're going to have a track record and people will understand, oh, well, look, this is someone who perhaps you know, lost some work during uh, lockdown and, and won't be held against them. Young people, we know statistically, if you're out of work for any extensive period of time in your late teens, early 20s, that can be the death knell for your entire career, the long-term impact of that on their life chances is huge
3: that's right and that's why we have this scheme um it's uh on a significant scale there's no limit to the number of placements that could be generated um we know that as i say there are various uh, sectors where we are going to see growth as we invest in things like infrastructure other elements like that also aspects of social care and there are organizations who we've had some conversations with already but now we're opening up the window to everybody to come forward to understand exactly what's needed, these new additional roles, uh, we'll try to remove all the other sorts of different criteria that could get in the that could be unnecessary barriers to creating these brand new jobs. Um, but it's important that uh, young people who will be referred through the Job Centre Plus network uh, will be uh, there, having a wide range of opportunities. I hope. Uh, so it's a bit about uh, businesses getting support directly from the government and helping their economic recovery, but also an element of having that. Uh, some for some organisations, paying a little bit back by giving people that first chance in a okay. their, their well, first job.
1: Well, what's to stop a company just hiring a whole load of under-25s, getting the taxpayer to pay those wages, and then after six months say, ta-da, then I'll get another bunch of under-25s in now?
3: Um, it's possible that some organisations will do that. that, that it's, it's only intended to be a six-month scheme to help people get on. I think you'll find that quite a lot of organisations will almost – will probably keep people on recognizing the amount of training they'd already given them Uh, but this is about a wide range uh, opportunity across the country I think um, Julia it's important uh, you know this isn't about jobs as being created just because an organization's laid a load of people off thinking they can now just get free labor in return that people will have to go through various criteria to make sure that these are additional roles Uh, but I think it's an opportunity to add stimulus uh, you know, an element of confidence the business that they can take on that extra pair of hands in, or several pairs of hands in order to, you know, accelerate things, whether it's the building project or all other sorts of uh, elements where people can get that experience of work.
1: Well, yeah, look, look, I I wish everybody involved in this all the best. We desperately need to get people back to work. But again, what about getting people back to work who who already have jobs? Uh, The Prime Minister yesterday at that uh, uh, Cabinet meeting uh, that you attended uh, was talking about huge numbers of staff went back to their offices. Well, um, there's no sign of that, actually, in most cities and towns across the country. Certainly not our capital city, London, which by the way, people think we're obsessed with it. But economically, we are in this country. A third of all tax in this country is paid by people working uh, in uh, London uh, or or, or companies in London Uh, we do need to get people back to work Um, do you not think that MPs in Westminster need to lead by example and all be back in their offices do you not think also that civil servants need to lead by example every time I've had a a cabinet minister on recent I've asked you what percentage of your civil servants are back What, what percentage in the work and pensions department are actually back in the workplace right now just over half just over half. Oh, that's pretty impressive, actually, compared with most other departments. Well, we are
3: spread right across the country. Um uh, I think all but about five of our sites are fully open. Um I'm conscious that uh, we also have a large number of people, of course, working at home still. Uh, there's only so much capacity in our buildings to make sure we have a COVID-safe environment. Uh, but it's important, I think, that we do have that uh, open uh, approach. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm sure, Julia, that as more children go back to school this week, um, that it will be a lot easier for working parents to be in a more positive way to be able to make that choice to go back into the work environment. But I mean, it's important that employers and employees have that discussion. It, you know, Government wants to encourage people to get back into the more normal way of working because, as you pointed out, there's a variety of other businesses around that, but it's not going to be our decision. It's important that we make progress and try and get the economy recovering. In a full uh, way as possible, uh, recognising that um, you know we've had these challenges. Uh, they're not; um, they are unprecedented. They're not unique to this country, but I'm confident that the interventions we've taken. Will help us bounce back much more readily, how than wor- it may have been the situation how worried are you about you know, the
1: furlough scheme as that winds down as of first of September of course uh, it wound down to the, the, the uh, taxpayer the, the the country paying seventy percent uh, of people 's wages up to a lower cap, employers having to make a bigger contribution or uh, also the uh, um, the employees getting less in their pockets. Um, are you worried that we are now going to see the the serious wave of uh, of redundancies that many had been expecting ahead of the winter?
3: Well, the system was extended deliberately, but um, to avoid the cliff edge, has been this phased-down approach of direct government support uh, with employers starting to pay that bit more. I mean, it has made sure that millions of jobs have been uh, preserved, uh, of course, as the economy starts to get back into um, a post-COVID sort of environment, although the virus is still very much with us. Um, then we will start to see more decisions being made. I'm actually confident that uh, a, a number of the initiatives that have been helped um, helping businesses, uh, as well as uh, what we're trying to do to get uh, people not only back into work, but stimulating other aspects of the economy, will start to lead to a greater confidence. And of course, uh, we haven't got our head in the sands. It's why we're preparing schemes like Kickstart, uh, a lot of work going on for apprenticeships, uh, but also potential impact for longer term employed people going into what we call swaps, uh, where they might uh, see their skills, their sector may not be recovering straight away, and how we can help them get into another job, even if it's for only two or three years before they go back to uh, their preferred uh, career choice. You know, these are the sorts of interventions to try and help people um, uh, be part of the economic recovery uh, as we... um, go into the uh, challenging months well,
1: ahead. Well, you talk about an economic recovery and yet we're hearing about the possibility and who knows if these are being leaked by number 11 or number 10 of business uh, rates you know, or business taxes going up, corporation tax going up by even five percentage points to 24%, fuel duty going up by uh, five pence. Now, whether or not this is just sort of kite flying and it ends up not happening or or, or, or at lower rates, the reality is you know, putting extra tax on businesses and making it more expensive for them to transport their goods around and more expensive for people to get to and from work bearing in mind the obsession with public transport we have in, in the London-based political and media world, well, most people in this country go to work by car uh, and not uh, by another method, um, making it harder for people to be at work, to go to work, to fund businesses. Isn't it the wrong time to be talking about any tax rises? Well, the
3: Chancellor will be setting out the approach uh, in the budget later this year. Of course, there's a lot of discussions going on, um, but you know, there's quite a lot of speculation as you say. I, I don't know where all these different stories are coming from. I'm very conscious that uh, working closely with the chancellor uh, on this program but other programs where we are trying to invest in british businesses invest in british people uh, to try and help uh, the economic recovery uh, I'm conscious there'll be more speculation about what might be in the budget but today it's really about focusing on our young people as they t- as we want to try and help them get that first step into work.
2: online on DAB and on the Talk Radio
4: app Talk Radio
0: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze
2: On DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio.
1: Well, let's uh, talk about all of this with Andy Burnham, now Mayor of Greater Manchester, of course, uh, and also former Labour Health Secretary. Good morning to you.
4: Good morning, Good Julia. Good morning.
1: Um, let, let's talk about uh, what's been going on in Greater Manchester. Of course, Stockport, Bolton and Trafford have all come out of their local lockdown restrictions overnight, but uh, more than 500,000 people still affected. Uh, but Bolton and Trafford Council still concerned that their infection rates are still too high. Um, was it the right time to bring uh, some of these places out of restrictions?
4: Uh, no, certainly in the case of Trafford Council, Julia, we said to the government last week that we didn't believe the time was right to lift the restrictions. Uh, but unfortunately, they did it anyway and didn't didn't listen. So we find ourselves this morning, I have to say, in a very uh, confusing uh, position. We have restrictions lifted overnight in boroughs with high numbers of cases. And then we have neighbouring boroughs next door with lower case numbers still under restrictions. So these things were always hard to explain to the public. How on earth do we do that? Do we do that now? It's a, it's a bit of a mess. Uh, I'm afraid of the government's making, and um, you know, not here to sort of just go over you know who said what to who about all of that. What I, I do want from the government is an exit strategy from all of this. Uh, to to get beyond this debate about restrictions versus no restrictions, we actually need to start focusing on what we really need to do to to bring the numbers down. And what we're clear about from evidence in Oldham, Stockport, Rochdale. It is door-to-door testing and tracing teams that are the most effective interventions. So let's move from blanket restrictions to more targeted interventions, that's we think the right way to go now.
1: And, and have you had the same issue in the Greater Manchester area as we saw in Leicester, where it was you know particular neighbourhoods, particular streets, even uh, where this was an issue, where this needs to be tackled? Perhaps you know public health teams going in and explaining the needs for restrictions, because we've seen it again and again and again, and the same has happened in Glasgow, uh, where Nicola Sturgeon has announced uh, in the 800,000 Scots affected uh, with a partial lockdown. There, she had 135 of the 300 140 new infections in the past two days uh, are happening in Glasgow and most of them, vast majority, and I'm sure the same in Manchester, happening because of infections being passed inside people's homes. It's not people going to the pub uh, or, or going to work or going to school. It's what's happening in people's homes. Is this about a, a public health education programme, about explaining the needs for social distancing?
4: Yes it's certainly partly that uh, Julia and to be honest with you homes are a big part of the um, the, the the spread of the virus but pubs aren't uh, aren't immune at all you know we are seeing spread uh, via pubs so it's it's a mix to be honest and um it's a challenging job the the truth of the matter is the national test and trace system is not working for us it really isn't uh, what we have found is that the door-to-door work by councils, yes, giving out the messaging, but actually doing door doorstep testing, um, then doing the contact tracing of people testing positive in that face-to-face uh, way is much more effective than this call centre uh, operation that, that we've got. And then beyond that, it is about financial support for people to self-isolate. Now, it's good that the government have recognised this issue at last and they've set up a pilot in three boroughs, we would say that's not um, enough. To be honest with you, you know, thirteen pounds a day for people in three boroughs. We, we we quickly need to to ensure that people on low pay, people who are self-employed, uh, can self isolate if they're asked to do so. This is a major issue that keeps coming back to us from all of our teams, and uh, you know, we, we're asking the government to to help us devise an exit strategy from the sh- restrictions that has about number one door to door teams, number two. Financial support to self-isolate.
1: Yeah, again, thirteen pounds a day being often again only for the lowest earners. even there are many people who on average incomes who don't have the sort of money where they can. I mean, don't have people, most people in this country don't have savings of, of any large amount, and and certainly not after lockdown. Uh, if people who haven't been able to work, um, the idea that you could uh, you could survive without any money or on thirty pounds a day if you've got a mortgage and rent to pay, you know, kids to kids to feed. People have got outgoings which don't just disappear for the two weeks they're asked to quarantine. Uh, have you had any feedback from the government at all? Uh, in the, the, in the likes of the health secretary has said, yeah, I couldn't live on £13 a day, but we haven't seen any movement on that.
4: Well, there was a little, to be fair to them. Uh, so they announced a, a small pilot last week in Pendle, Blackburn and Oldham. Uh, and in those places, people um, on the lowest incomes will get £13 a day, as you say. But, you know, well, let's think about it. I mean, £13, £13 a day. What I've said to them is, you just need to go to a scheme like jury service. You know, it's a similar thing, isn't it? The government is asking you to do something that's in the public good. You know, in that case, serving a jury. In this case, stay at home, um, take some time out to stop spreading the virus in your workplace or in your community. So it's the same principle. Just cover their wages for the time that they're being asked to do that. That's what we do with jury service, and it's what we should do with um, tackling uh, COVID. So, you know, I, I just hope the government gets on and does it. They have acknowledged the issue. Um, but it's 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 a bit of a kind of a, a minor nod in the direction of the issue, and what we need is is, is quick action. You know what we think, uh, Julia, is that um, you know the public are getting confused here with all these restrictions, and not are they under restriction or are they not? We just need to go back to more simpler, targeted interventions. Now the restrictions can work to kind of have an impact in turning the tide around, if you like, if cases are rising. But the, their impact diminishes the longer that they're in, and I think yeah. that's what we're experiencing in Greater Manchester. Uh, and, and indeed,
1: and I know we've only got you for a few more moments, but I want to ask you about schools returning. You, of course, many of your former hats, the former Shadow Education Secretary, getting the schools back. We know very important, but also getting workers back in the workplace. Uh, we know that you know, Greater Manchester actually had a much greater success getting people travelling back into their workplaces than in places like London, where it's you know, it's I mean, where I am, it's virtually a ghost town in central London. Um, how important do you think it is to get people back in their workplaces and turn? our city centres back into, you know, the thriving places they were just a few months ago.
4: Oh, I, I, I agree with the government on that. I think it's very important and it falls to people like me to lead by example. So I'll be returning to the office uh, for the first time in five months this week, uh, Julia, working at home today, but uh, later in the week I will be returning to the office for the first time. And I'm doing that to, to send a message, hopefully, to others to say, look, you know, we, we all need to support our city centre because, you know, it's crucial to us. You know, the, the vibrancy of Manchester City Centre really, really matters. And of course, supporting the businesses uh, that work there. So, you know, I am sending that message. It's crucial that we uh, help schools return safely as well this this week. But it does all link to that test and trace system. That is our first line of defence against this virus. And currently there are gaps in that defence. And, and I just hope the government can, <clears throat> can go with us on this. You know, Put it under local control. I think it will work much better if Test and Trace is under local control, because we would operate it as door-to-door rather than a call centre uh, operation. So, you know, it's not about, I say, you know, we're all learning, aren't we? And it's a difficult situation we're all in. But um, I think this, this week is a crucial week. You know, we need to build confidence amongst office workers, confidence amongst parents and students, and Test and Trace is currently not providing it, and it needs to urgently. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart
2: speaker. Talk radio.
1: Now, good morning, Paul. Good morning. Uh, lovely to talk to you. Um, we, we, there's so many big figures uh, thrown around, you know, £300 billion deficit, holding t- you know, £44 billion here, £44 billion there. These numbers are so astronomical. They're, they're incomprehensible to most of us who deal in, you know, pounds, shillings and pence. Um How do we go about uh, dealing with the huge cost of the pandemic and and how important is it that we deal with it sooner rather than later?
2: Well, I think the key point is that we don't need to deal with it sooner Um, in the next year, 18 months. We really should be focused on just supporting the economy, keeping a lid to the extent that we can on unemployment, probably spending more and taxing less, if anything. I mean, don't forget, we've had a number of tax cuts over these few months, stamp duty, VAT, and so on to support the economy. What I don't expect is that next year, we'll suddenly have a whole load of tax increases to um, sort out paying for it. I think we're going to continue to borrow for at least another year, 18 months, and possibly longer than that. Uh, At some point, though, maybe we're talking two or three years down the line. Maybe we're talking after the next election, when things get a bit easier. um, We will need to see uh, probably some really quite big tax increases because we're spending a lot more than we were and the economy's smaller than it was. So we're bringing in less in the way of tax. And so even three or four years down the road, even if the economy recovers pretty well, we're still going to have an enormous deficit to deal with. So, so not sooner. Uh, but later, we will have to do
1: something. Well, indeed, uh, again, you know, it's our children, our grandchildren will be probably paying this off. A lot of suggestions early on when Rishi Sunak was you know, handing out money like sweeties. And I would say I was fully supportive of a lot of this. Uh, I, I really think it was the right thing to do for us, you know, to all bear the burden of this. You know, lucky, lucky me, I can keep my job. Unlucky, someone else can't. It's not their fault. And we need to all stand together. But is there this argument is it, that we should treat this almost like a war debt and pay it off over many, many decades? as opposed to think that we can just deal with it in the next few years?
2: Yeah, I think the, the, I think there's two two things to distinguish here. The first is the debt that we built up this year and will probably build up again next year. I think we should think about that as something to pay off over many decades rather than something to worry about very quickly. So that, that's the, the first part. And, you know, in a, in a way, if the economy bounced right back to where it otherwise would have been, Um, we can just almost ignore the debt that we've um, built up um, over this couple of years and think about that as something to pay down over a very long time. Uh, The second thing, though, is that our expectation is that this isn't just going to be the economy taking a dive and then getting back to where it would have been. The economy almost certainly in four or five years' time will still be smaller than it would have been without the virus. And as I said, we're probably going to want to spend more on things like health and social care. So the real challenge is that we'll have a structural deficit going forward. In other words, even with the economy growing at its normal rate and us carrying on in our normal kind of way, every year we'll have a big deficit if we go on as we are. It's that deficit every year going forward that we need to worry about, not the fact that we've really increased debt this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing, isn't it? And in terms of what kind of taxes, if they did go up, and there's some talk that I mean... Whether it's number ten or number eleven playing games and, and flying kites, who knows? That's how these things often operate in the in weeks and months before a, a budget. No one thinks the taxes are going down; <laughs> they're probably going to go up. Um, which are the ones that that you think are most likely to go up and will do the least damage? Because look, this, there, the key thing is the whole point of having taxes is you get you get you know some bang for your buck. But if you can you can you know you can increase corporation tax from nineteen percent to twenty four percent, one of the things mooted. I don't think it would be anything like. Light- that and you can ostensibly bring in more tax but actually a lot of these taxes end up seeing tax take overall fall uh, in terms of incentives and the like and, and how companies do different things with their money um, what do you think is sort of the least damaging of the tax rises being mooted
2: well, well probably if, if we do want significant amounts of money we'll probably have lots of different tax rises i mean it, it's generally generally not a good idea to put all of the weight onto a single tax and try and get whatever it, whether it be 20, 30 or forty billion from it. So I expect we'll see quite a number of taxes go up. I, I think you could, you, know, you could certainly put a couple of p on corporation tax without too much uh, damage. Um, you could, you know, uh, politically very difficult, of course, but you could uh, put a couple of p on income tax without too much damage. But we haven't seen income tax rates rise since about 1971, so I think that's, I think that's fairly. Uh, fairly unlikely. If you look at what the governments have done over the last decade or so, restrictions on pension tax relief, one of the things that's been uh, mooted by the Treasury has been one of the biggest tax rises already over the last decade. So we might see more of that, though that really starts to bite on middle earners if you do that kind of thing now. Um, uh, Other big things that happened in the last few years, increases in national insurance and VAT, both things that have happened, though, ruled out, of course, in the Conservative Manifesto, and we'll have to see the extent to which, in this very new world, the government feels it's bound by what it had in its manifesto, which was written in a very different world. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio.
1: Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10.